Uh, uh, appreciate them. Ashley's debut on the keyboard there. Give her a clap. She's been working really hard. It's great to see people grow in the Lord, amen, in their giftings. Uh, so this morning, uh, I really enjoyed Pastor Damon's message last week. I know that uh, most of our members did. If you didn't get to, to uh, uh, experience that message, I would encourage you to go online and, and watch uh, that message because I promise it'll speak to you. Interesting enough, this is a message I put together. I spoke in Fort Collins, but I believe it is truly a word to us. It's a, a word in season uh, to us for the, um, if you will, the resetting of our hearts towards the Lord. We're meant to be free in Christ, amen? And I want to talk today about the fact that I am free. I am free. Can you say that with me? I am free. Oh, wow. Are you there? Let me give you a count of three. One, two, three. I am free. Do you believe that this morning? No. Do you believe that within, with every fiber of your being that Christ has come to set you free? Do you have a relationship with Jesus this morning? Because I would submit to you that if you have a relationship with Christ Jesus, you have to be free. You, you can't be anything but free when you get close to Jesus. We're going to read in a moment from Galatians uh, chapter 5. But before we do, I want to talk about uh, a specific thought. Have you ever heard of creative affinity? Raise your hand if you've heard of creative affinity before. How many of you have heard of the word affinity and you understand what affinity is? I have an affinity with this or an affinity with that, right? I, I, I associate with this or I accept this or, or uh, you know, I accept it as a, as a way of thinking. I, I have an affinity with it, right? Creative affinity is that you become like what you hang around. You become like what you love most. That it creates you in its image. And if you think about it, that God in Christ, right, he's transforming and he's changing us into the very likeness and image of his own son, Jesus Christ. Let me give it to you this way. The creator is recreating us into the likeness and image of his son, Jesus Christ. How does he choose to do that? He chooses to do that by inviting us to come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that when we relate to Jesus Christ, he, his creative power begins to change us to create an affinity with him. Now, think about it this way, right? That God's not interested, we, we heard from Damon last week, God's not interested so much in what you do at, as he is in that you uh, spend time with him, that you become like him through your relationship to him. Now, if we look at the Old Testament, we have the law. Here's the list of rules, the check marks. If I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and I do that, I'm okay with God. But I submit to you that God does not want that. It's the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant in and of itself actually is weak, is what the Bible says. The Old Covenant actually gives birth to sin in us. Why? Because all of a sudden when we read the law, we become aware of how wrong we are. We become aware of how much we do not measure up to God. And therefore our focus becomes, if I could just do this right and this right, 
then I'll have God's favor, I'll have God's love. And the reality is if you're guilty of one, one law, if you break one of the original um, um, Hebraic law, if you break the law, you're guilty of all of it. Just one of them, you're guilty of all of it. You tracking with me? So none of us in here have ever kept the law or probably will ever keep the law. But if we can stay in relationship with Christ, what happens is, is by his grace, we have favor with our heavenly father. And in that favor, by the grace of God, the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us, he changes us. He is changing and transforming us into the likeness and image of Christ. We're not changing ourselves. It's our time with Jesus, the creative affinity of spending time, the, the one we love the most, that we spend time with Jesus, and he makes us like him as we spend time with him. Now, that, that uh, does not negate the importance of reading the word of God and knowing what the Bible teaches. It doesn't negate the importance of knowing the law because the Bible says that the law is the schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. Schoolmaster. How is it the schoolmaster? The moment that you're taught from the word of God that you recognize in the law of God, I don't measure up. I will never measure. I can never keep all of this right. I need a savior. That revelation that I cannot do everything right makes me come to the reality of I will never be enough and therefore what hope do I have Christ Jesus is my hope can you say amen Christ is our hope if we have any hope of truly being free it is to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ that that creative affinity now let, let me give you an example of that um how many of you have ever um uh played a sport Give me a, a shout if you've played a sport. Okay, a number of you. I mean, the more you got into that, into that sport, uh, the more when you went and bought clothes, you started like, you know, uh, you know, if Jordan was your, in my time, like Jordan was it, right? Uh, I'm going to get some Jordan gear and I'm going to wear. How many of you root for football teams? Huh? How many of you Green Bay Packers wear Green Bay gear when you're, when you're rooting for your fans? How many of you Broncos root for, for the Broncos, and you wear the, 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 the Bronco garb, if you will, right? Why do you do that? Creative affinity. You get, you, you get near it, you like it, you start to become like it. You start to put all those things on. You're shouting in the game. If uh, they miss a touchdown, I think you have a response if they miss a touchdown. Am I correct on that? If your team does not score, okay, they're on the one-yard line and they miss it and they don't get in for the touchdown, how many of you have a response to that? How many of you want to share your response here at church today? <laughs> Creative affinity. You get close to it and, and you, it, it becomes a part of you. You become a part of it, right? I think they call it a fan, isn't that right? When I was a kid... Uh, I work for a pig farmer. Remember, what you spend time with, you become like, right? <laughs> the reason I share that is because uh, I would get on my, my little uh, mini bike and I would ride. I was uh, still a teenager. My, uh, my mom and stepdad had divorced and so 
I worked for a farmer and a contractor and helped, helped mom pay the bills and stuff growing up. So I would get up before school started, 5 o'clock in the morning, and I would go to that pig farm and I'd feed all the pigs. There's like thousand, you know, over a thousand head of hogs. And um, so they had the, the, the little nursery one where they had new little babies and I'd go in there and I'd have to clip their teeth and their tails and give them an iron shot and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm 14 years old doing this kind of stuff, right? And then I would go to the other, what they call the feeding floor, and basically what that was, that's where you start to fatten the pigs up. How many of you like bacon? All right. So thank God we're Christians. <laughs> we can have bacon. And I'd go to the next one where these are the hogs that are almost ready to go to market. And, uh, but, but what I'd have to do is I'd have to shovel the, the, we'll call it manure, the poo, right, into the, into the slot that it goes down in and, and dumps into what you'd call the, um, um, the hog septic system, <laughs> And I'd wrestle those pigs, and you had to, uh, you know, let's just say you had to uh, uh, relieve them of their manhood sometimes, so they'd fatten up. And you'd hold those pigs, man, you'd have them all reared back, and you'd be cutting them, right? Y'all know what Rocky Mountain oysters are? All right, let me get off this subject, it's really going bad. (laughs) But see, because I was around the pigs all the time, I remember, you know, I go home, I take showers and stuff. You remember this story? And I'm at, a, uh, I'm at a high school dance. This is by the time I'm 16. I'm at a high school dance, and I will never forget. We were dancing. Everybody's having a good time. Uh, it was actually during warm weather. And uh, all of a sudden, I had this moment, and I'm like, and I sniffed myself, and I'm like, man, I smell like hogs. I smell like those pigs. Why? Because if they literally get down my pores and I could take a shower, but when I started to sweat, right, that stuff that was deep. So creative affinity, I spent too much time around the pigs, and I smelled like them. I think we've all been in relationship enough with um, our friends, our family. You know, what we hang around, we start to become like. I remember rooting for the, the Bengals. And I so wanted my team to win that, that even though I'm saved, there would be these moments where I would, I would shift over into being that fan that I used to be before I was saved, and, and a cuss word would fly out of my mouth when they didn't, they didn't score. You know, Angie, give me that look like, um, is, is your football team more important than Jesus? Well, no. It's like, because you don't sound like Jesus right now, right? You sound like somebody that, you know, has, if you will, more affinity to that football team than they do Christianity. We become like what we love the most. Now, the hard thing about that is this. If we don't spend time with Jesus, we'll never truly be free. And then we fall prey into thinking that if I can just do this and this and this right, then I'm okay with God. We fall back into the law. This passage that I'm about to read to you Paul the Apostle is addressing that very thing for the early church, and he's saying to them, you know, you began in grace and in a relationship with Christ, and then all of a sudden you revert back to trying to keep a list of rules that you're never going to be able to keep them all, and therefore you fall, you fall into guilt again. You fall under, under condemnation again because you're, you're thinking that your stance or status with God, your place with God is based on what you do. 
bringing back to what Damon talked about last week. It's not tied to what you do. It's tied to the one you love. And when you love Jesus with all your heart, let's just say it this way, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. When that's the case, and and you're guarding and watching that, then you want to be near the creator. You want to be near Christ and in relationship with him. Well, you start to become like him. And it doesn't seem like there's as much effort. Why? Because you're not doing it out of duty. You're doing it out of desire. You long for those times with him. You long to understand him and be more like him. And it's not something that you feel like, if I don't do this, I'm in trouble with God. Rather, I desire to do this. And God, wherever I fall short, help me by your power to become more like your son. Amen? So I want to read this passage to you, keeping that in mind. Paul's challenging that premise and clarifying that freedom is in Christ and that freedom that comes only comes through relationship to him. That is the only way. Say only. It's the only way. You will never become like Christ trying to keep a bunch of rules. Never. You will become like Christ by spending time with him. And I think about little things for Angie and I. We've been together 32 years. Am I right on that? 32. Uh, 32 years. After 30, I think there's grace for forgetting which year it is. 32 years. And I think about there's still things that we're different in, but we know that about each other. And there's so many things that we're alike. And... And I would say that even in the midst of, of all of that, the thing that, that I love is that when we interact, laughter, right, in our relationship. And even like yesterday, we had some moments where we're just laughing over just silliness, just relationship, right, just interaction. You know, I'm flirting with her a little bit, right? Uh, is Wade in here today? Give me a hoot, Wade. Sorry, son, I'm going to... Our son's living with us right now as he's moved back to Colorado. And so, you know, um, we used to be even more flirty. But when our kids are around, you know, we want to respect them because you know how that goes. It's like, gosh, man, get a room. It's like, we have one. (laughs) But I love her. I spend a lot of time with her. And there's things that there's likenesses that things she likes that's become things I like and things she likes that or that I like, that she likes now, um, because we spent time together and through that relationship, there's a, a bit of creative affinity at work. And this is what Paul's addressing, is, is that all of a sudden you're reverting back to, to uh, a structure that, if you will, has no light. It, it has definition. It gives a, a clear understanding of God's character but the problem is, is, is there's no life in it. Now, for those theologians out here that might say, no, the Bible has life in it, let me say this to you. You probably know the scripture then that says, the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. That we get in the word of God, but if we're not inviting the spirit, if we're not in fellowship, relationship, what happens is, is that we find ourselves in this place of trying to keep everything by our own power. And you can't do it. You need creative affinity at work. You need relationship with Christ 
so that the Spirit is breathing into the Scripture in your life. The Spirit and the Word agree, the Bible says. Remember the Pharisees and all that they were trying to uh, require people to do. Jesus talked about the fact that they would strain out a gnat and swallow a camel concerning uh, the Scripture. He heals the, the paralytic, right, on the Sabbath. Do you remember that story? And the Pharisee, well, it's not right to heal on the Sabbath day. Which one of you having an ox that gets stuck in a ditch won't go get him out of the ditch on the Sabbath? You're going to leave him there and die? Right? What was that? That they knew the Scripture but they didn't understand the spirit at work within that scripture. Therefore, everything that they brought was requirement and people couldn't keep it no matter how hard they tried. What they needed was a savior. What they needed was a personal relationship with one who they would spend time with and they would become like him as a result of the relationship. Can I get an amen in the house? Now, having said all of that, I want you to listen to what Paul the Apostle is saying here in Galatians 5, 1 through 16. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled, again, with the yoke of bondage. He's referring to the law. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. That's one of those, just one of the rules of the law that uh, in the Old Testament, you come into covenant with God, you got to be circumcised. So he's just referring to that they're saying, hey, to be in covenant with God, you need to keep the, the, the old covenant. And what he's saying is, no, you need to come into the new covenant with Christ and let him circumcise your heart. Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. Say estranged. Now say creative affinity. To be estranged means you're not near the one that can make you like him. You're separated from him when you try to keep the law. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. But faith working through love. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind. But he who troubles you, you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Christ's judgment. The person, people who trouble you to say, you've got to keep this, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do that. I'm not saying that we don't have a righteous standard. I'm saying the righteous standard comes out of a relationship with Christ, being like him, not, not, I better do this, and I better do that, or I'm in trouble. Come on. God's not going to accept me if I don't do these things. And thy brethren, if I still preach circumcision, the law... Why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. The offense of the cross has ceased. Think about it this way. The cross is an offense to people who are perishing. Right? 
Let, let me do it this way. The Bible says that the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. And we preach this, Jesus died on a cross to give his life so that through his sacrifice, right, him, knowing no sin, became sin, that you could become the righteousness of God in Christ through his work, not your work. That was a great place to say amen. Because what a gift it is to be accepted into the family of God, not, not of our works, but just faith in the work of Jesus Christ in our life. It's an invitation to come in. It's an open door. The, Jesus said, I set before you an open door. If any man, right, remember, behold, I stand at the door and knock your door. His door's open. Our door's closed until we open it. Let me say that again. His door is always open. But yet our door is closed until we open it to his knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, if any person will open that door, then I will come in and I will sup with him. Anybody know what sup means? I'm going to have supper with you. Y'all know what supper is? Some of you call it dinner. You ever invite your friends over to dinner? Hang out with them, have a good time? Find yourself in that place. Man, I love hanging out with these people. I, you know, I just, uh, we're so much alike in this and we're so much, uh, what, creative affinity. I spend time with them and, and I enjoy things that we have a likeness in. And let me say this, that when we spend time with Jesus, his door's open, you can go in any time. But he stands at your door and he knocks and he's asking you to open up so that he can come in and have supper with you and spend some time with you. Because his time with you will make you like him. Can you say amen? Verse 12. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Now watch how he shifts this. Because remember, to love God, how's your love for God get tested? By your love for one another. Watch this. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, liberty only. Do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. He finishes with this in, in verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, understanding that, that to try and keep the law, the law gives birth to sin. You become aware of your sin. And the thing about becoming aware of your sin is all of a sudden you're under condemnation. And the only way out from condemnation is to accept the conviction of the Holy Spirit to repent. Remember I said repentance is a gift, it's not punishment. And to repent and come in to right relationship with God. That's your decision because you've been given free will. Your free will is a distinction that you've been created in the image of your heavenly father. You can choose what you're going to do. But know what you choose, right, is the creative affinity that will be at work. If I choose to walk in the flesh, then I'm going to look like the flesh. If I choose to walk in the spirit, all of a sudden I begin to look like Christ. Can you say amen? So we want to spend time with the Lord. Let me say nothing's more important than your time in the word, your time in prayer. In conversation with God. Make sure, say conversation. You understand that a conversation is a two-way thing. 
It's not a one-way thing. God wants to have dialogue with you, not a monologue. There's those moments when you begin to talk to him and you tell him all your needs. You know, make sure you allot enough time in those moments with God that it's not just telling him everything you need. Tell him everything he is to you. Express to him how important he is to you. Express to him how great he is. Extol the Lord, you know. Oh, my soul, the psalmist said. I get in those moments and, and I think about the psalmist when he says, Why are you downcast, on oh my soul? I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. What a contrast that is. That we have things in life that, we can, that can get us in a place of being downcast, depressed, having anxiety and, and, and just dealing with life coming at us so fast. And yet we've got the shift in that, God, this is going on, that going on. God, I need you to work here or there. You know what? Why are you downcast on my soul? God, I praise you. You are the answer to my life. And I may not understand everything that's going on, but I trust you. I can shift into the book of Job and say, just like Job, going through the worst time of his life gets to the point of saying, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. See, that is a relationship. That we don't understand everything, but yet we still maintain a trust towards God. Because in those moments of misunderstanding, those are the moments that we tend to, you know, kind of try and figure it out on our own. God, where are you at in my life? Why aren't you doing this and why aren't you doing that? And instead, just begin to worship him and watch how he shows up in your life. Why? Because he is the Lord, he changes not. And when we start to question whether or not he's good to us, whether or not he's doing the best for us, then all of a sudden we're in a place of declaring that maybe he isn't good. And that's kind of the bill of goods that was sold in the, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Well, God knows. You see, you'd be better off if you do it your way than to just be in relationship with your creator. Because then you'll be like him, right? Knowing good for me. But you can do what you want to do. You choose. I would submit to you, yes, it's your choice, but I would say choose to relate to your heavenly father. Choose to draw near to Christ so that, create, that a creative affinity begins to make you like Christ and watch how your life is aligned with the kingdom of heaven. So walk after the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Follow after the spirit, don't... don't don't fall prey to things that are being said that you got to keep the law and you got to behave this way and you got to let the behavior flow out of your relationship. Not that every day I wake up, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to fix this and I got to fix that. Nope, I just want to spend time with the Lord. I just want to acknowledge Him and worship Him and let Him by His power transform and change me into the likeness and image of Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? See, flesh leads us to criticize, the Spirit leads us to empathize. I would say self-criticism, criticism of those around us. See, flesh will lead us to be critical towards people while the Spirit will lead us to be empathetic. When Christ died on that cross, there was no greater empathy he could have shown mankind than to take their, his, uh, their sins upon himself. And when, when people around us are not getting it right, and be it in marriage, husbands, wives, families, your children, moms and dads, right, grandmas and grandpas, right, you know, Whatever it is, your boss, right, your employees, you, you know, your teachers, your stu uh, students, whatever area of your life it is, 
that if you, if you find yourself in this place of critical, 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 I want you to know the flesh will always draw you into this place of being critical towards others rather than being empathetic towards them. See, empathy will move you to prayer. Empathy will move you to be an intercessor. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you, right? He comes, he's a paraclete, he's a helper, and he comes to bring heaven in you. Question is, are we bringing heaven into the world that we live in? Are we bringing heaven into the relationships that we have? We cannot do that except by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know, think about this, empathy in and of itself has a tie to compassion. And you think about every miracle that Jesus did. Do you know the Bible talks about he was moved with compassion for the masses? He was moved with compassion for this need. He was moved with compassion for that need. It was, it was that he empathized. See, we don't have a high priest that, that isn't uh, familiar with our temptation, with our faults and our failings. Because the Bible says he was tempted in every single way that we are. Because he was tempted... Yet, come on, say this with me, without sin. He was without sin. And that's why he could condemn sin in his flesh. All man, all God, but he could condemn sin, right? And crush, crush sin once and forevermore. That if we walk in Christ, we truly can be free because he has the power to set us free. That to understand that, that in Christ, he empathized with people. The greatest empathy was that he came from heaven to earth to die on that cross. He was born to die. He was a king, but he was born to be a savior for each and every one of us. Here's what I would say. That as the church, as believers, do we empathize with people's shortcomings or do we criticize? And I want you to know, man, this world is getting more and more and more critical. Anyone? I mean, left, right, whatever it be, politics, it just doesn't matter, man. And I'd even say this, you can turn on ESPN, and just like I said, when your team doesn't make it in the end zone, how many of you have ever watched the quarterback and they get that close, you know, they're on your team, and, and you see them running a play or whatever, you're like, man, I wouldn't have run it that way. Well, why aren't you out there being the quarterback? It's easy to criticize, but when you're on the field, come on now, it's a whole different thing to be on that field, is it not? This message was born out of, you know, seeing some things on the news, listening to people talk, you know, even in the airport. You know, I got to tell you, man, it's, criticism is all around us. Don't let that be said of you. As a believer, do not be a critic. Do not be a critic. Be somebody who empathizes with the failings of mankind, the shortcomings of those, especially, come on, how many of you know that we can be more open and critical to the people we profess to love than we are with strangers sometimes? Husbands, don't be critical of your wives. Wives, do not be critical of your husbands. Children, don't be critical of your parents. Parents, don't be critical of your children. Say constructive. Find a way to construct, not destruct. Criticism will tear down, right? Encouragement will build up. 
in, in Ephesians 4, the Bible says that he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints. And it actually, right there, that there's a word that says uh, for, the, for the mending, for the building up of the saints. Say kartismos. Come on, say it with me. Kartismos. That's the putting back together. It's mending and putting us back together the way we're meant to be. When the word of God is proclaimed, that we hear the word of God and it starts to shape and mold us into the image of Christ. See, we were created from the garden, created in his image. And then from the fall, we're subjected to the futility of sin at work in our life, born into it. But then we have that choice to choose the tree of life again, Jesus himself. And as we walk in relationship with him, what he does is he cartismos. He puts us back together. Do you remember the thief hanging to the right and the left of Jesus on the cross? One of them mocked Jesus. Well, if you're the son of God, get us down off of these crosses. The other said, you fool. We're hanging up here for a right reason. We're paying a price that we should pay. He's not. He did no wrong and he's hanging up. That thief knew that he was hanging there for no reason. Well, let me say not for no reason, for, for no crime. But that he was hanging there for the redemption of mankind. And how do we know that? Because, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Say remember. Now I want you to say it this way. Re, re, member. Lord, when you come into your kingdom, would you put me back together? Would you remember me? Now when you come in, remember, they're pulled apart at their joints. The joints separate hanging on that cross. Lord, when you come into your kingdom, would you put me back together? Spirit, soul, body, would you put me back together? Let me tell you, when you have a relationship with Jesus, that's what he does with you. He cartismos. He builds you up. He puts you back together. Why? Because he has empathy for you. He has compassion for you. And he would ask you to have the same mind that he has towards other people. Can you say amen? Interesting enough, that's what Paul does in this passage where he's addressing, um, he's addressing all these issues of people trying to keep the law, people telling they got to keep the law, and he lands it with loving, one, loving your neighbor as yourself. Do you find that interesting? I do. That all, out of all of that, Paul lands with, hey, love your neighbor as yourself. Now watch. Here's what we need to do. If we want to grow in, the, in the, the grace of God's spirit, there are, there's specifically, I say, three things in this passage that we need to learn to stand fast against. He says, stand fast, right, in the freedom for which Christ has set you free. I'm free, so I want to stand fast in that freedom. And if I'm going to stand fast in that freedom, in this very passage, Paul points out three things that we need to stand fast against, if you will. Number one, it's the legalist. Say legalist. The legalist, verse three says, and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. Don't be legalistic. Don't be, don't be focused on, I gotta keep this law and this law and this law. Be focused on, I need to spend time with Jesus. I need to read the word and I need to invite the spirit so there's an agreement of the word and the spirit and I don't become a legalist. Watch this, we need to stand fast against legalism. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. 
you have fallen from grace. I don't know about you, I don't want to fall away from the grace of God. I want to stay in the grace of God while pursuing Christ and becoming like him, not try to fall into that legalistic mindset because that really, a legalistic mindset has a real hard time showing compassion towards others, empathy. And then another thing you got to guard against, stand fast against, is lies. Lies, listen to this. You ran well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? What's the opposite of truth? A lie. So we got to stand fast against the legalists, people who are legalistic. We got to stand fast against the legalism itself, and we got to stand fast against the lies that deceive us to make us legalistic or uh, to fall prey to legalism. Can you say amen? The second thing, we need to walk in the Spirit, which is what we found the, the verse 16 was from Paul the Apostle. Uh, and it requires me to see the difference. If I'm going to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh, it requires me to see the difference. Psalms 119 and 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my uh, feet and a light to my path. Now think about this. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I, for me to see the difference, where am I going in life, in my relationship with Christ and others, where am I going, I can see my path ahead, but I also got to see the steps I take. How many of you have ever gone out in the, in, in, in the darkness of night with a flashlight? You can't see anything, but the flashlight, wherever it's going, you can see, right? How many of you, you know, you're walking through the woods or, or something in that effect. Anybody that's been in the military has probably had some land. Nav you got the little red lens, the blue lens, that kind of thing, right? You still can't see very well with those. But it's better than getting shot because somebody sees a light, right? But when you're going, what happens is, is you know you're going that direction, but at the same time, you can have it shining your path, and you're like, I'm going that direction, but there's a rock, right, where you're taking a step, or there's a ditch, or whatever. How many of you have ever fallen because you're trying to see where you're going versus where you're taking a step? And so all I know is, is I've experienced some of those things, so I learned from it, and this is how my flashlight goes in the dark, up back down up back down up back down where am I going and where am I stepping and that's what the psalmist is saying here your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path it illuminates the steps I'm taking and it illuminates the the place that I'm going I can see clearly the path that I'm on that way if I'm not just taking the steps I don't walk straight into a tree right Listen to this, it requires me to see the difference where it comes to walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my, are my way, excuse me, are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. See, it might look similar, but it is different. In life, things may look similar. The law looks similar to following Christ, but I need you to know it's extremely different from walking in grace. Paul the Apostle is telling them, look, you try to keep one area of the law, you got to keep it all. It might look similar, but it's very different from walking in the grace of God and being in relationship with him and you doing those things because the Spirit is leading you not because you're trying to keep rules. Number two, it requires me to listen with deference. 
So it's different, but it, it requires me to listen with deference. What is that? Respect. When I'm in God's word, I want to listen to what God would speak by his spirit according to his word to me with deference, with a, with a respect. Why do I say that? Have you ever come across something in the word of God where you're like, man, I really don't like that? Let me give you an example. Let me just go straight to the big one. You ready? For me, I got saved, right? And Angie says, hey, do you want to tithe? This is right after I got saved, 19 years old, on private's pay. Come on, some of you military folks, right? On poverty pay. And Angie says, do you want to tithe? I said, yeah, sure, give five bucks. And she said, well, tithe's 10%. And I, I mean, you got to understand, we're sitting in the front row at that church. You remember that? My neck broke. I'm like, yeah, give five bucks. She goes, well, honey, tithe is 10%. And I'm like, of everything I make? And she went, yeah. Yeah, well, just give five bucks right now. I'm just not sure about that. So I go back and I start, watch, I start to read the scripture. And I start to, you know, here's the law of it. But the challenge was when I started off, because we didn't have Google back then. So I had a Strong's Concordance that I went to. Like, where's all the word? Where did everybody tithe? And so the first place I, I land, can anybody tell me where I landed first? No one? No. My Lord, I guess I need to preach on tithing in this church. You know? <laughs> Don't get too nervous. I know I'm talking about money, and you're just like, oh, my God, get off the money subject. Jesus said you can't serve mammon and God. So there's a reason why he did that, because like Damon said last week, if we've got a house, we've got a car, we've got a job, we've got food, we got, if we've got all of that, then we put our trust in that, and then we don't put our trust in God. You've got to have faith. First place I went where I read about the tithe was Abraham, the father of our faith. He gave a tithe of everything he had to Melchizedek. Who's Melchizedek? A priest of Salem. Now, then you have the law, the Levite law. Deuteronomy 8 talks about the tithe, bring all the tithe in the storehouse, lest you trust yourself, so on and so forth. Now, interesting enough, Jesus is not called after the order of Levi. Jesus is called after the order of Melchizedek, a priest, God forevermore. Is he our forever priest? Now, it's interesting that you take Abraham, who offers his son, doesn't withhold anything from God, Gave a tithe to, so I'm reading this, and what's happening as I'm reading it, I'm seeing the difference between the law and faith. Grace of God at work, faith, grace through faith, and faith through grace, as Romans 5 talks about, that that is, is there at work, and Jesus is called according to that order, not according to the order of Aaron. Take Aaron and his sons after him, the order of the law, but rather the order of faith. And our relationship with Jesus is not something by law, it's something by faith. Could you say Amen. And so at that point, see, I went to the word and with deference, with respect for God's word, with respect for what God desired in my relationship, that shifted. And it's, for me, it's never changed. Why? Because I see the revelation of it and I walk in that and I honor the Lord with those things. That can apply to anything with regard to following Christ. But that was one of my, can I say that was my big one in the beginning of following Christ. That when Angie said that, I'm like, I don't know if I want to follow Christ. I, I don't know if I want to follow in that. And then people would come along like, well, but that was the law and Jesus fulfilled the law. Yeah, he did. 
So basically, Jesus, um, I'm glad you did that so I don't have to be like you. You hearing me here? If ever you're at this place where, Jesus, I, I thank you you did all that on the cross so I don't have to do it. Well, the sacrifice, yes, in a sense, but to follow him in obedience, an obedience of relationship, not obedience to rules, to interact and become like him by his power is a very different thing. So lift, listen to the Lord with deference. Listen to Isaiah 30 and 21 here. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. See, I might think I know, but I'm going to listen with a deferent heart. I'm going to listen. I, I think I know, but I'm going to listen as I read the word of God for him to put his finger on something in my life and say, hey, by the way, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, right? And I, and I would like you to go this way, not that way. And I'm willing to change, amen? So number three then, it requires me to follow with devotion. Follow him with devotion. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so de deceive yourselves, do what it says. Now again, I'm not talking from a, a legalistic standpoint. I'm saying that in relationship, as God begins to prompt me to follow after the spirit, I turn from the works of the flesh and I follow after the spirit. See, I've always said this to people. If you have to do it, if you have to do it, if you feel like I have to do this, I have to do this, you've not come to the place of relationship with Jesus on that. Because it's a rule. It's not relationship. God wants you to feel a sense of conviction. And he wants to put you back together. Cartesimos. He wants to encourage you in those things because it will be a blessing to you. And as I close today, you know, I might think I'm doing it right. But I ask myself, is it duty or devotion? Is it duty or devotion? Am I just doing this because I feel like I have to? Or am I doing this because I want to? And that want to has come out of my relationship with the one. Did he have to go to the cross? Let me ask you. The Bible says that he said this. No one takes my life from me. From me. I willingly lay it down. He didn't have to. And even with the Father, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He didn't have to. He wanted to. He wanted to for every single one of us in this room, for the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He did it because he wanted to, because he loved. Can I, can I do it that way? Because he loved you and you and you and you and me. And his love needs to be shared with the world. But if we get sucked into this place of living by law, then we don't love our neighbors so well because we lose empathy. We lose that love that we're meant to show them so that they too hear an invitation it says, no, you don't have to get yourself all right and then God will accept you. Come as you are because Jesus died on the cross so that you could become like him by grace through faith, not by your own works because it will not benefit you to try and keep the law. Amen? Let me share this as I, as I close today and the worship team comes and we're going to sing. We had that song we had uh, sung about freedom. I'm going to sing that as we go today. 
1 John 5, 3 says this, For this is the love of God. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Pastor, you just got done telling me that we don't have to keep the law. And now you're telling me to keep the commandments. Here's what they are. Two of them. He said, a new commandment I give you. And that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And that the second one is like unto it, that you would love your neighbor as yourself. That's his commands. Now, it's not easy, but it is simple. You've got to ask yourself that question each and every day of your life. Am I loving God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength? Do I, do I have an authentic relationship with the Lord? Is there creative affinity at work? Am I spending time with him, therefore becoming like him through the relationship? And then, am I loving my neighbor as myself? Now, I know that we can all answer that pretty easy. Who cut you off in traffic this past week? Right? Who ticked you off at work? Husbands, what did you say to your wives? Wives, what did you say to your husbands? And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that. You hearing me? It's not hard. It's simple. I say it this way. It's simple, yet not easy. It requires us to be engaged each and every day of our lives, asking the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. And then, and only then, will we not give way to the works of the flesh. Amen? Stand with me, if you would. So the more, I want you to say this with me. The more I desire to spend time with Jesus, the more I'll be like Jesus. That's all it takes. The psalmist said this, early in the morning will I rise up and seek you. Where are my early risers in here? Where are my late risers? So wherever your morning starts, that's your early then, I guess. But I'd say this, can you make him first? Give him the first fruits of your day. Start with him. Trust me, if you begin with him, your day will end a whole lot better than it does when you start off with just you. And you're coming like, man, I wish this wouldn't happen. I wish I God could you. It's like, well, I could have. Invite me in at the beginning. Watch, in the beginning, right? God said, let there be light. Isn't that correct? So in the beginning of your day, offer that to God and invite him in. He's a gentleman. Remember what I said at the beginning of my message? His door's open. He's knocking at yours. The question is, will you open up for him and let him come in and sup with you? Because if you do, creative affinity will take place. You'll start to become more and more like Jesus. Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people. And Lord, I do ask that our relationship with you, uh, God, I, I can think of the ups and downs and the, the lefts, the rights in, in the midst of my relationship with you. And God, I know it's, well, how we'd love it to be a straight line, God. There's a whole lot of detours and mountains we climb and valleys that we go through. So Father, wherever your people are, whatever season they're in or whatever situation, God, I pray that there be one thing for all of us is I've got to spend time with Jesus. I've got to spend time with the one who loved my soul enough to give his life that I could have eternal life. 
And I pray, God, that we truly would. We would give you the first of our days. God, so that we begin to see you at work within us more and more each day. Lord, I've had those moments, I must say, I repent now. Of those moments I wake up and I have so much going on that I'm just off to the races to do things. And God, the doing, if you're not in the midst of it, it's just me trying to work it out. Father, I pray for all of us that we begin to invite you in to our families, Lord, our marriages, our workplace, God, our finance, everything that goes on in our life. That Lord, we hold nothing back. No door is shut to you. But Father God, we rather open that door and let Christ into every area of our life so that his miracle working power can do what it can only do. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that we truly would, Father, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts to minister to one another so that, Father God, each of us are functioning in the cortismos, Lord, mending, encouraging, building one another up, God, loving our neighbor as ourself. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Let's sing this as we go. children we're going to be able to bless and bring the word of Jesus's love just around the world. Thank you, Reach Church. Thank you, preteens, for helping me out. And just God bless this ministry. And if, right, if they, want, if they still want to bring a box in, they can do it up to win. Correct. We can accept them all the way through next weekend, so next Sunday. Okay. So if you want an empty box, if you feel like you want to contribute, if God's pulling you to keep this number going, we're happy to get more boxes, or if you happen to have left your box on your kitchen counter. <laughs> um, <laughs> amen. It happens. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, we are collecting all through next weekend. Um, so we're just happy to keep that number going. Thanks. Thank you so much, Morgan, it for leading It has been my us. blessing and pleasure. All right. Enjoy your week. <laughs>